College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper. You know anything about college football, it doesn't always end up the way everybody thinks it's going to go in September. That's why you play the games. Playing in Soldier Field, we're excited about that. The largest game is hell, but that right there is worth every ounce of hell you go through. That's college football, every game is going to be a battle. That's just one of the things that makes college football unique. We're inching our way closer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to College Football Live. I'm Wendy Nix with Sam Otto and Roddy Jones. All eyes on the Windy City this weekend. We're getting set for Chicago, where we will see Wisconsin and Notre Dame set to kick off in Soldier Field. That's where we start this afternoon. It will be the 17th meeting all-time between these two teams. Saturday marks the first time since 1964. Notre Dame owns an 8-6-2 advantage over the Badgers, including winning the most recent matchup, 31-7. That was in September again of 1964. If Wisconsin is going to get the win, it needs to be better in the red zone. The Badgers have scored a touchdown on just 40% of red zone drives, tied for 120th in the FBS. They've also had three turnovers. The last time these two teams met in Chicago, a guy by the name of Newt Rockney was the head coach, including vacated games. Brian Kelly is tied with Rockney for the most wins in school history. He can surpass Rockney with a win on Saturday. They play to their traits, um, and we'll have to do the same. I mean, Look, they beat more talented teams because their their sum is greater than their parts, and that is a testament to who they are, how they're coached, uh, playing to a system, and um, that's why they beat a lot of people. It's time for our weekend wake up brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast. We look at the upcoming QB battle between former teammates. Remember, Jack Cohn has outplayed Mertz thus far during the early part of the season, throwing for over 100 yards per game. He's also got eight touchdowns compared to none for Mertz, who has doubled his total QBR. Uh, that that in a, in a nutshell is what we'll be looking for offensively, Sam. But you know what they say about defense, something about winning championships. I'm, I'm sure you've heard that before. So when you talk about this Irish defense, what will be their biggest challenge on Saturday? Yeah, well, the biggest challenge for Notre Dame's defense will be stopping the run. Wisconsin will run the ball. Last week against Eastern Michigan, they ran it 16 straight times. It didn't matter who was there. They're going to run the ball. But so what Notre Dame needs to do, they obviously have a smaller line. They're quick. They're fast. They're athletic. They have to uh, make a lot of slants, get in the backfield, put Wisconsin in negative plays and negative formations. If Notre Dame can do that, they will have a great chance of beating this Wisconsin Badgers football team. Well, Wendy, on the opposite side, when you talk about the Wisconsin Badgers, they also play some defense. I mean, this was a crew that a year ago had an argument for being the top defense in the entire country and certainly in the Big Ten, and they've done nothing to suggest that that's taken a step back this year. Through two games, this defense has allowed 66 yards rushing. 
total through two games. Uh, they are an excellent tackling team. Jack Sanborn's one of the best linebackers in the entire country. The defensive backfield has been really solid, and that front as well has gotten after quarterbacks. They're a sound group that's really going to give Notre Dame issues, particularly if they can't run the football. Well, an intriguing matchup. College game day will be there. Hard to believe Brian Kelly is set to become the all-time winningest head coach in Notre Dame history. Uh, it seems like he just got there. Uh, it's been a wild season so far, probably one like we haven't seen in quite some time. And another interesting aspect of this weekend are a number of matchups featuring undefeated teams. That means 3-0 and teams. Uh, there are at least three we'll talk about now. In the SEC, we've got number seven, Texas A&M. They're taking on number 16, Arkansas. Really an inflection point for both of these programs. When you look at the Big 12, it's number 25, Kansas State, facing off against Oklahoma State in Stillwater. And then, of course, Michigan hosting Rutgers. So uh, a number of 3-0 matchups to watch, Sam. Of, out of all of these, which one intrigues you the most? Well, I'm excited about the AM Arkansas game. So if you look at Arkansas offensively, they've been able to run the ball effectively, but KJ Jefferson at quarterback, there have been some questions as if he can throw the ball effectively. Last week, he put up 366 yards and three touchdowns against a not very good football team, but weeks one and week two against Rice in Texas, he didn't, he didn't throw it for over 200. So what will Arkansas's offense, followed by KJ Jefferson, be able to do against a formidable defense in Texas A&M. Defensively, they're solid. We understand that. But it's the offense. It's the quarterback position. It's that man right there, K.J. Jefferson, who is a threat to run the ball. Their offensive attack can run it. But can he throw it against a stout defense with a and I'm excited to see. Well, Sam, look, I am honestly shocked, and maybe maybe shocked is an understatement, that you didn't take this Kansas State-Oklahoma State game because the experts feel like this one's going to be a low-scoring defensive affair when you talk about Kansas State going on the road as an underdog into Stillwater. I am fascinated to see, number one, are we going to see points? I mean, Oklahoma State has struggled to score the ball this year. Uh, Kansas State is without Skylar Thompson, their starting quarterback, so they're going to have to rely on running the football against a tough Oklahoma Oklahoma State defense, this is not your typical Big 12 matchup. This is going to be about defense, running the football, and I thought you as a linebacker and defensive guy would have taken this one, but it is going to be fascinating to see who comes out of this one because they could be a serious contender in a Big 12 where Oklahoma looks mortal. Iowa State has shown that it's not uh, what we expected them to be quite yet, so can one of these two teams take advantage of that? Yeah, and the Big 12, to your point, is wide open, right? Iowa State has already lost. Oklahoma State, there are so many question marks. I couldn't take the obvious defensive battle. I got to show the <laughs> offensive teams some love as well. <laughs> oh, we appreciate that, sir. We appreciate that. <laughs> and nobody takes Michigan, guys. I, I'm dying to know if this team under Jim Harbaugh is for real. All that talk about Harbaugh staying or going or having, you know, lost their swag, nobody – Nobody's taking Michigan. Nevertheless, uh, another matchup featuring 3-0 and teams. Uh, speaking of some of the top elite teams in the country, it's been sort of a shaky may be a strong word, but a shaky start for some of these teams. And coming up on College Football Live, we'll talk about the level of concern for programs like Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Clemson. College Football Live is presented by Delicious Ice Cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. You're watching College Football Live.
Presented by Dr. Pepper. Saturday Night Football presented by Capital One is a Big 12 statement game in Norman. West Virginia quarterback Jarrett Dagey leads the Mountaineers against Heisman hopeful Spencer Rattler and number, former, and number four Oklahoma OU has won the last eight games against West Virginia. That's 730 Eastern, 430 Pacific on ABC and the ESPN app. One app, one tap. Having said that, listen, uh, there's top programs and they're winning and uh, that's important, but they're is some level of concern for some of these units. And let's walk through a few, Roddy, and we'll start. And maybe there's none. I don't know. You tell me, 1 to 10 or whatever you want to do on this Oklahoma offense. I actually think this crew, the, the, the level of concern is fairly low. I know they have underperformed so far this season, but the truth of the matter is they have proven talent on that side of the ball. Spencer Rattler, Marvin Mims, uh, Jadon Hazelwood, Kennedy Brooks, Eric Gray, like they have the talent. The question is, can they figure out the pieces? They've struggled throwing the ball down the field, which is the biggest thing. Marvin Mims only has eight receptions on the season. They moved him into the slot there in the offseason. So the question is, what do they need to do to get him going? Do you need to move him back outside? John Hazelwood has kind of been the lead target. But I think pushing the ball down the field more, getting that run game going uh, with, with Gray and with uh, Kennedy Brooks is going to be big. But getting Marvin Mims more involved, he can, he's got to have more than nine targets through three games so I think the concern level is fairly low with Oklahoma on offense yeah I would say it's low as well because we all know that Oklahoma sooner or later is going to get it going obviously they haven't gotten the ball down the field defenses know that Lincoln Riley coach teams love pressing and pushing that ball down the field so they're game planning for it but even if you're game planning for it the great teams have to find a way to overcome Spencer Rattler in particular has to find a way to overcome. And obviously, Marvin Mims needs to get his targets. But I'm not worried. Just like last year, Spencer Rattler started slow and found his groove. I believe Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler, under Lincoln Riley, will find their groove. See, I mean, you know what's interesting? You don't just lose a player the caliber of Trevor Lawrence and pick up right where you left off. And yet, in some aspects, I feel like that's almost what we expected of Clemson. Instead, you know, there's an adjustment period. Maybe we should have known that. But what's your level of concern on this Clemson offense? I actually am concerned a little bit about the Clemson's offense. Number one, DJ Uyunglele has not found a way to get a rhythm. That's number one. Number two, they've lost a ton of playmakers. Like all those guys, not even just on the receiver position, but even offensive line. Guys like Jackson Carmen are now in the NFL. Travis Etienne, all those playmakers, you got to find some new ones. And so DJ's got to find a groove. You can't find it, obviously, number one against Georgia. That defense shut him down. And then secondly, people need to step up. And that's what we're not seeing. We obviously always expect it's Clemson. They're going to figure it out they're going to find a way but Trevor Lawrence was a generational talent and GJ still has a lot left to prove I agree, Acho. The, the level of concern with Clemson on offense is high. And, and, Wendy, you mentioned the fact that maybe we should have known this was coming. After Taj Boyd left Clemson, we forget that there was a Cole Stout year when Deshaun Watson was a true freshman where that offense didn't perform to the level that we were accustomed to. After Deshaun Watson left, we forget that Kelly Bryant was the quarterback of Clemson before Trevor Lawrence took over after four games the next season. 
and that offense was not what we were accustomed to. So maybe the fact that it takes a little bit after a generational quarterback leaves your program should be expected. Now, they've got a ton of talent on that offense. The offensive line, though, is kind of in its second year where it has not performed up to the standards that Clemson is compared to, the college football playoff-level teams. So the offensive line has to improve. They've got to figure out the running back situation. It looks like Will Shipley's going to be the guy. But there are concerns throughout that Clemson offense, I would say. I agree that there's cause for concern. I also agree there's there's reasons for it. And again, I feel like we just we've gotten so used to that production year in and year out. Alabama's the one school where it truly doesn't seem to matter. But I, I don't know who knows what's going on in Tuscaloosa. Let me ask you about what's going on in Columbus, Roddy, and that's that Ohio State defense. Uh, listen, when you think about those Buckeyes, you think about a stout defense. Are you concerned at all about that unit? Uh, Yes, Wendy, I am equally as concerned about this unit as I was about Clemson on offense. And here's why. We look at that defense in 2019, and that defense is looking like it's the exception rather than the rule. Three of the past four seasons, 18, 20, and now in 21, this has been a defense where we've been asking ourselves, what is going on with Ohio State on defense? Uh, The biggest thing for me is that defensive line, after going from Bosa brother to Bosa brother to Chase Young, hasn't been able to create the pressure. And Larry Johnson's one of the best defensive line coaches in the country. So I'm not saying he's not going to figure out a way to get that group going, but they have to be better. They have to stop busting assignments. And after switching from Kerry Combs as defensive coordinator to a different defensive play caller, they've got to be able to figure it out because now three of the last four years, this has been an underachieving unit for Ohio State. Yeah, and I'm concerned as well, especially when you talk about a defensive coordinator switch. Oftentimes, you switch coordinators, you think the performance will be better. It wasn't. Even going back to this Oregon game, like Oregon ran the same play over and over and over again, that 14-yard <laughs> line on the left side, and there were no edges on this defense. And so when I get concerned as a defensive player, I look at scheme, I look at alignment, I look at assignment and technique. When I look at the assignment, it seems like the players aren't performing their assignments and there aren't adjustments being made that need to be made. And so it not only is a player issue, but it goes to a who's calling the plays issues. What's your scheme issue? And that's why I'm concerned with Ohio State on defense. Well, we want to stick with Ohio State, though. Some news on offense, and that is Buckeye quarterback C.J. Stroud will only be available on Saturday in an emergency capacity. Uh, That game against Akron, according to head coach Ryan Day, Stroud is nursing a shoulder injury. Kyle McCord or Jack Miller will start in his place. True freshman Ken Quinn Ewers will not be available. Take a look now at our Dr. Pepper Championship Drive Game of the Week. Tennessee has lost each of its last eight meetings against Florida in the Swamp. That is tied for the Volunteers' longest road losing streak in the AP poll era. Tennessee's last road win against Florida came in 2003. Florida looking forward, though, not back. Here's Dan Mullen talking about last week's game against Alabama. Our guys expected to win the game, you know, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, they're, they're pretty disappointed that, that we didn't. There's some positive things that we can take out of it, um, and there's some things that we have to get corrected, and it's making sure we embrace that, you know, of let's not, let's not lose what we did really well, you know. Let's actually build off of what we did well and do it even better. Roddy, there are no moral victories in college football, any football. I I get it. But did this game tell you more about Florida or Alabama? 
It told me more about Florida. I mean, I thought Florida running the football was fantastic. Dan Mullen did an excellent job of scheming it up, as he's done throughout his career. And what they were able to do on the ground, 244 yards against Alabama, 5.7 yards per carry. Without that guy, Anthony Richardson, who was out for the game, I really like what Florida did running the football. And it seems like if you can run the ball against Florida, excuse me, against Alabama, you can run it against anybody in the country, maybe with the exception of the Georgia Bulldogs. Sam, listen, Tom Luganville spent half of yesterday teeing off on Alabama fans because they're not satisfied with the perfect start. But, you know, we have gotten used to Alabama just lighting up that scoreboard in a different kind of capacity. Uh, is there an Achilles heel that you see so far for this Crimson Tide team? Well, this, well, the game, the Achilles heel, I would say, is they're still a young quarterback. Yes, his name is Bryce Young, but he's also still young, right? This is his first year starting, and so if there are questions, it's offensively. Okay, Bryce Young, what are you going to do? Are you going to figure it out uh, earlier than the second or third quarter, number one? Number two, the defense, which we've all been talking about, did not play well against Florida. And so for me, it tells me that Alabama, there are some weaknesses. There are areas. Now, not any run-of-the-mill team is going to be able to compete against Alabama. But if you start talking about some of the top-tier teams, the Floridas of the world, start talking about the Georgias of the world, you start talking about these teams that are really college football playoff-bound teams, even teams like Oregon, you start saying, okay, there is a way to beat Alabama. You get pressure on the quarterback. You start finding ways to run the ball. Now, all of a sudden, this, this team that couldn't be beat has weaknesses. All right. Well, any given Saturday in this case, as they say. Coming up, uh, get comfortable. Sam Acho's going Acho Mind. He'll walk through the best and worst and even some of the wacky. Another edition of Acho Mind on College Football Live coming up. In them palace, but you're too tame. I ain't for the south, but I appreciate the wood grain. Never calling me about the noise, it's only two. Man, I'm in the same building, but the flows and view change. I ain't for the waiting now. I bought a Rari and I did it just to hit a sound.
College Football Live is presented by Delicious Ice Cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Tonight at 7.30 on ESPN, Appalachian State hosts Marshall. App State leads the all-time series, but it was Marshall who won the last time. But how about this? App State's 65-16 and 16 record since the start of the 2015 season. Fifth best in the FBS, trailing just Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Those names and that company, Roddy, will get your attention. I know you're calling this game tonight. What should we be watching for? Well, the first thing that you should be watching for, Wendy, is offense. Marshall is the second-best offense in the country behind only Ole Miss. And Grant Wells, the number three passer in the entire country, he's got some excellent weapons all over the field. They're going to put up a ton of offense. And they're going up against an App State offense that's quarterbacked by former Clemson transfer Chase Bryce. So we expect a really good game with no shortage of points tonight. All right, if you like offense, this one's for you. Plus, it's Thursday night college football. How can you beat it? Uh, let's look through a couple other games we want to touch on, and we'll start, Roddy, with Wake Forest and Virginia. Well, we talked about defense so much to start the show that I got to go back-to-back on the offensive side of the football. If you're wondering who the leading passer in all of college football is, it's that man, Brennan Armstrong. He's throwing for over 400 yards per game. That Virginia offense has been exciting to watch. They're playing a Wake Forest team that runs a unique system, but behind Sam Hartman, they've been able to put up some points as well. So I'm going back-to-back on high-scoring games. Well, I'm going to go to what I thought was going to be a lot of offense and a big running attack with UCLA, but there will be offense with Stanford. Tanner McKee, they just beat USC. They got USC coaches fired, and now Tanner McKee is leading the Stanford Cardinal offense to victory. They've got two wins in a row, so they're doing well. UCLA, on the other hand, they were running the ball, 200-yard rushers in week one and almost 200-yard rushers in week two, and all of a sudden something happened, and they stopped. And so I'm looking forward to this game. I can't wait. All right, you know what I can't wait for, Sam? I love it when you tell us, uh, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly from a week in college football. What made you go out your mind this week? Well, there's three things this week that made me go out your mind. Number one, you got to watch this running back from BYU, Tyler Algier. <laughs> What's an interception? So you think interception, and oh, he's going to score. But watch Tyler run, run, and then Superman jump up, punch it out. Like, there's nothing better. He's an offensive player. He's a running back. I mean, who does that? Who does that? That's amazing. So that made me go out show mine. Number two, I'm going Gabriel Murphy. So, like, he's on the ground. We got to go back and watch what happened. Is he really injured? I mean, his teammates are like, bro, what are you doing? He couldn't get off the field on time. So, he said, they said, go down, go down. Macho, they didn't Miami. do this back in your day, man. They didn't do this back in your day. They definitely did. I might, and I'm not going to lie. I might have been one of the culprits. Too much hurry up offense. I got to go down. Coach, you told yeah, me to go down, right? Did. And last but not least, I'm going Blake. Jasadi, I'm open, I'm open. Blake is the center. Center, you're not allowed to catch the ball. But look, he's running. He's about to score first down. Coach, he said, put me into the extra alignment. I'm eligible. This made me go out, show my – what are you – like, he straight up told the quarterback, I'm open. And then he started running as if he was eligible. Bruh, bruh, you know you can't do that. That's why the yellow flags get called out. Let my man be great. No, you can't be great. You want to be great, the go move the tight end. has to be official injury. <laughs> you want uh, to be great, guys, go we, move the tight end. We started end. the show with Wisconsin and Notre Dame. I want to round it out quickly. 
<laughs> uh, Sam, uh, what do you expect at Soldier Field on Saturday? I expect a, a huge running attack from Wisconsin. I expect them to ground and pound. I don't know if Notre Dame, Notre Dame is going to be able to stop it. Uh, and I'm going with Notre Dame. I think Kyron Williams is the difference. All right. A win for Notre Dame, Roddy? All right, fellas, another wild week ahead. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a great night.